Reed Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Good day, Dallas week morning, Eagles fans. You've got Mac and Mac, John McMullen, Jody McDonald here. We're hanging with you for the next two hours. A uh, whole bunch of JMs on the show today. We've got JM, John McMullen, JM, Jody McDonald, JM, John Mashoda, our favorite cowboy reporter. Comes Mosher's screwing it up, man. Yeah. If Jeff Mosher knew how to spell Jeff with yeah. a J instead of a G, it'd be four JMs. On the show today, I was screwing it up. Mosher, we'll on. cut, we'll cut Mosher some slack because he's a good dude and uh, he's a good eagle reporter. He's just a bad speller. What can we say? <laughs> uh, we'll be hanging with you for the next two hours here on Birds Three Sixty Five. John, the countdown is on, and the Eagles are prepping by walking, walking through that. Area. Walk through, yeah, they like that, man. They like that. Now, we don't get to watch practice. I, I honestly think that's their biggest reason for doing it, Jim. Well, that now nah, I'm exaggerating. Health, health, number one. But I, I, I think that's a nice little fringe benefit, as they say. So um, I think they enjoy that. Well, whether you guys get in or not, we'll not know. Because when you're in, you're not in all that long, and they yeah, uh, give you in, let you talk. Big deal, but evidently it's a big deal. Uh, Quick peek and then show you the uh, walking papers anyway. Uh, But they are obligated to put out an estimated injury report. And there were some telling details. Sure enough, once again, and you talk about self-serving. This annoys the snot out of me, and it really shouldn't. Uh, how, How much longer after our show was off the air yesterday did the eagles officially announce that the practice window was open for cam jurgens uh probably like what a, i texted you right away probably like 10 minutes 10 minutes what. yeah you t- uh, i get the text by uh 10 12 oh there it goes uh yeah they've activated because that's one of the last things i asked you about will we find out today whether and you said well maybe they'll wait a day it's only a walk through i said no 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 it'll t- today will determine if he's not activated today he's not playing if he is activated today they open up the practice window he will be playing so that's good news that uh you had said you'd seen him a couple times in the locker room and he looked perfectly fine to you, to, to you. So it was a mandatory four weeks he had to be out because he was on the injured reserve. 
you think, it, again, they don't have to announce it till Saturday that he's being elevated back onto the active roster, but you expect that to be the case and you expect him to be good to go when the game starts? I do. I've, I've, I've been on that track for a while. I think he's going to be the starting uh, uh, right guard uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, Sue Opeta showed up on the uh, obviously got banged up in the game against Washington. So he was limited, estimated as limited uh, with a hip injury. Uh, so he's a bit banged up as well. Yeah, I think, you know, ships passing in the night. Uh, they'll tip their cap to Sua and say thank you very much. And I think it's going to be back to Cam Jurgens. it is. Uh, I think that's uh, the way it's going to end up on Sunday. And that's good news. Uh, no knock on Suo Pettit because he held the fort. I, I wouldn't say, oh, my God, they had a, a, a debate as to what was going to happen. when he came. No, no, it was definitely Cam Jurgens' job, and he wasn't about to lose it. Suo Pettit didn't play to this unbelievable level where it became a conversation. But this job, he, it wasn't a massive drop-off, which is what you fear when you've got to go to a backup player and you put him into a uh, full-time starting rotation. That's a that's not a situational substitution position. You go in, you're in. And the only reason he came off the field yeah. is because he got he hurt. Saw it like Jack Driscoll when he had to come in for Lane Johnson. Uh, did not. That That's what you don't want. So mm-hmm. Seward kind of kind of held down the fort. I uh, think he did a good job for the most part. Just a quick aside, um, and there are many reasons for it, and the Eagles have their own, and uh, their, their decision-making process is what it is, and uh, I think you have to accept it with Stoutland and, and and the success they've had on the offensive line. Why do you think it was as quick as it was to Opeta? They'd used Stein there. We we heard all preseason that it was a competition between Jurgens and Stein. And when the first opening came up, uh, Steen was nowhere to be seen. Is there anything extra to read into that other than they liked Opeta because he just had experience? I think it's more to do with uh, practice and and what guys are doing in practice. You know, I compare it to to Reed Blankenship last year. None of us knew because we saw him in training camp and did a good job, made the team, but he was – and clearly behind Kayvon Wallace. And all of a sudden, you know, when we're out of practice, we don't get to watch the entire practice. Uh, behind the scenes, Denard Wilson, then the secondary coach, and said, you know what? Reed's, Reed's been playing better. Reed's earned the spot. When they needed somebody, they went to, to Reed Blankenship. I think the same thing happened here. Um Sue was just better in practice. Yeah, I mean, throughout the summer, remember, Sue was the backup. When you have all those guys, 90 guys, you don't move around. Uh, you know, Sue was the left guard backup. And Tyler Steen, they were trying to make Tyler Steen the right guard because that's still ultimately um, the long-term plan. Still remains kicking Cam Jurgens inside when, when Jason Kelsey finally calls it a, a career and – Tyler Steen would slip in as the right guard. So they had been working to move him there, um, you know, and a little bit slower than expected, uh, probably. No, no, I shouldn't even say that. A little bit. Uh, it shouldn't be a surprise. He spent his entire career playing tackle, right tackle at Vandy, left tackle at Alabama. So, um, And then Jack Driscoll, they had focused on, being a backup tackle, 
but he that was the more surprising part to me because he's he's got extensive in-game experience at right guard and i thought they were going to go in the same direction they went last year when they had andre dillard was the backup on the left side and jack driscoll was the backup on the right side and that was left guard and left tackle right guard right tackle i thought that's the way they were going to go i thought they would go with jack and so what passed him in in practice it happens and if uh, anyone you have faith in trusting, being able to evaluate practice, which is not the same as a game, practices, I'm just Alan Iverson, at least, although he was obnoxious about it, was right about it. It's practice. <laughs> it's not a game. Um, you, you believe that uh, Coach Stoutland yeah. is going to be the one. And, who- and for all, you know, for all the balance, you know, and that's, that's obviously so famous. I mean, Nick Sirianni pointed this out, and I'm like, it's obvious, but you don't think about it that much. At least to me, I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. We're the only sport, he said, that practices more than we play. Um, and he's right. And it's more, I practice is more important in football than Allen Iverson and basketball. I mean, basketball, you're playing, you're, you know, and then stars, if they play 45 minutes, they got to rest a little bit and you do their version of walkthroughs kind of um, not as important. And football, it's the practice is, is more important. All right, uh, JM, need your read on the rest of the estimated injury report yesterday. Uh, Sua Pettit limited. Well, okay, good job, Sua. Uh, we look like we got the starting right tackle back, so don't go out there and get re-injured while we're practicing. Um, but a couple of DTs. Milt Williams Limited and Jordan Davis Limited. The good news is that uh, uh, their first-round draft pick from this past year, Mr. Carter, is a full go yesterday at practice, but both Milton and Jordan uh, limited in practice yesterday. They traded Contavious Street during the week, which it made sense from the time he showed up in camp, I think you were saying. At some point, they may flip him because they've got enough defensive tackles, but he's a legit NFL player. He's good signing, but he seemed a little overkill on the Eagles, and sure enough, they took advantage, got a uh, little draft capital in exchange for him. They knew ahead of time that these guys had the injuries that they had. Uh, do we just read into that that, yeah, they're being cautious today, they'll be fine by Sunday, or did the Eagles maybe <clears throat> underestimate what they had and are we going to at some point on Sunday going to go, wait, why do we trade Contavious street? Uh, I don't think so for, well, one for a couple reasons. I think, you know, they want to see more of Moro Jomo to begin with and, and find some more um, um, reps for him. You know, we're talking about when Contavious, when Contavious played, it was due to injuries last week. It was, um, Jordan Davis was banged up with the hamstring. Jalen Carter got hurt with the back in game. Um, and they didn't play as much as they typically did. So he he was, I think, at 22 reps. And he played 23 against the Jets. And that was the game Fletcher Cox was out. Um, so typically in other games, he played five, you know, maybe eight, you know, throw him in there for a little bit of a mix. I think that's where they want Morrow to be in that five to eight range um it, you know milton's gonna play milton's 
toughest guy in the world. He's been banged up all year. He's going to play. I don't even worry about that. And Jordan Davis, he played last week with the hamstring. So in theory, you know, the question is how much is he going to play? That to me is the question on Jordan Davis. Is he limited again? Or do they have more of a pitch count? And then Jalen Carter, that's the really good news. That's the indication that you know, the street trade said, all right, Jalen's fine. Um, and we kind of knew the MRI came back and wasn't a significant issue. So, um, yeah, I expect all three of those guys to play against the, the Cowboys. But the one question I have is how much does Jordan Davis play? Is it going to be – he was on a bit of a pitch count against Washington. Is it going to be the same thing against Dallas? That that could be the one issue. Uh, one last thing on the rosters, John Mishota from the Athletic uh, Cowboys Beat Report is going to join us coming up in minutes. Um, they went ahead a week before they had to, and they elevated Julio Jones from the practice squad. We knew it was going to happen uh, when they announced him as a practice squad guy. I kind of uh, raised eyebrows to go, That was a wink-wink. That was yeah. a wink-wink. Nothing uh, procedural. Um yeah, the Eagles the, taking advantage of the roster rules in the National yeah. Football League and good on them for that. Uh, they could have done it for one more week. They decided not to. He is now an official member of the 53-man roster. Was there an opening there? Was there a spot there? Did they? Yeah, that was the previous spot? Uh, spot okay. By, now, you know, if Cam gets Cam, still has to be activated. So right. we we all assume that Cam would get Contavious spot, and they take the the extra week for Julio. So they still have to make a decision um, by Sunday, um, Saturday, really. But, uh, uh, you know, they have to activate Cam Jurgens if they want to activate Cam Jurgens, And my belief is they do. So they're still going to have to make a decision. Um, and, that, and that, you know, that's one of the reasons they didn't do something at the deadline is they have this roster crunch upcoming. Um, and they have to find spots for certain guys, and you have to make some. I I don't I I don't think they're all that difficult decisions when you're talking about the fifty third guy on the roster, but they make it out to be like it's um, you know a big deal. You know, did it, has anybody missed Mario Goodrich at this point? Uh, you know, he's back on the practice squad, um, so it's hard to get. It's hard to miss him when he's still there. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they have a bit of a crunch and they have to make some decisions. And, you know, getting back real quick, I should have mentioned the injury report. The biggest one is Bradley Roby. Again, oh, I was going to get to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and Grant Calcaterra, with his history, you're not going to see him. So you might get your first look at Albert O. But, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're going to have to make a decision. I thought they'd take Julio one more week, uh, but they decided uh, to do it a little bit early. And the Bradley Roby thing is disconcerting, uh, for lack of a better word, um, because that is going to be a major matchup on Sunday against the Cowboys. They're going to play C.D. Lamb in the slot a lot. It has been a rotating basis. The guys who have been trying to hold down the inside uh, cornerback position for the Philadelphia Eagles. You want to take a guess as to who's going to get the most snaps right now? You got to estimate on Roby. You got to guess along with uh, their DB's backs coach and Sean Desai. Who's going to get the Omens uh, calls against CD Lamb come Sunday? 
I think it's going to be similar to last week. It's going to be Sidney Brown and Eli Ricks. Um, and, you know, one is sort of the run stopper and one is the coverage guy. And they're going to try to piecemeal it together and, you know, just rewind back to the Rams game. Um, it's going to be an issue. Um, and that's where Jalen Carter comes in and, and Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat because they're going to have to make up for that. And that's been the, the case throughout the season. It's just a little bit more amplified against a team who can really get you from the slot. But we already saw it with the Rams and they persevered. It was ugly at times. I think you'll see the same thing. It'll be ugly at times, but, you know, they got to play better than they did in Washington and they're at home. So that should help the, the pass rush. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, on, it's on them. Sydney's a rookie and he's learning and Eli's a rookie and he's learning. Um, and CD's lamb is a really good player. So it's kind of like Cooper cup, uh, hold on to your hat. Yeah, and then last week, uh, I was a little bit more uh, judgmental of the defensive line. Uh, you gave more credence to Sam Howell, just didn't give him a chance to get there. Well, if they're the best defensive line in football, if they're the best unit in all of football, you got to find a way to get there. You got to step up and go beyond. I don't think the defensive line did. Now, the coverage was pitiful on the back end. They, they weren't as bad as their brethren <laughs> behind go them. But I'm going to go more on them. They, I, they, I, well, the good news is the Cowboys won't play like that. So maybe they should, but they won't. Um, they won't be uh, cognizant of getting the ball because they think they're good. Um, very similar to Miami. And they are good. And so was Miami. But in some ways, that helps the Eagles because they they don't think the way Washington was thinking. And that's a, a point I think a lot of people miss. They're not going to come in and say, oh, we got to get rid of the football. And they're, one, they're, they're not going to play like that. So that's that, going to help the Eagles. That will be the first question we'll ask John Machado when we punch him up next. Are the Cowboys going to pick up the pace a little bit after watching what the commanders did last week? Or are they going to stick to their offense and Dak's more of a five and seven step drop guy, or will they try and uh, steal a page from somebody else's book? Will they deign to do that? Uh, that is a legit question. And John Machota from the athletic Cowboys beat reporter can be asked and he will answer for us. He joins us next here on birds 365. <laughs> Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Dallas Week Thursday on Birds 365. You got Mac-a-Mac, McBone, and McDonald. We got the JM to join the fray. That would be John Machota from the Athletic Cowboys Beat Reporter who comes on whenever we need a cowboy perspective. Mr. Machota, what, what kind of hat you got on there? Oh, it's a Travis Matthew. It's, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, I think it's supposed to be golf gear. I don't golf. I just nice. like the hat. And yeah. it's got an M on it, I guess. So. I got a bunch of golf stuff. I used to golf, not anymore. I still have it, though. I enjoy some golf. So I, I got I it. Wish, I wish I knew who Travis Matthews was. Who's Travis Matthews? I thought I, he was a country singer. No? As far as I know, he makes makes golf gear. And there's uh, okay. a, a shop not too far from my place. And nice. Uh, just, right. <laughs> I like the hat, and so I went with it. There <laughs> we go. There we go. It's about style, first and foremost, John. Right. Um, and, you know, I, style points have been a big thing here in Philadelphia because the Eagles keep winning games, but Eagles fans often wring their hands because they're not the prettiest things in the world. Cowboys, I say, man, when they got their A game, boy, they look they look like a uh, hundred bucks. But when they don't, I, I don't know. It seems to be tough to persevere for them. Is that how you would describe the Cowboys? I would, yeah. I mean, when they've they've won big in some games that. You know, when the games are over, you're sitting there thinking, you know, you're writing your story in the press box and you're like, how much do I buy into this? You know, is this team really on this level? Is this, I mean, because if they're playing like this, this is a Super Bowl contender, no doubt. And then they lay that egg against Arizona. And then there's all that hype going in the Niners game. And this is a Niners team that there's no way you would sleep on. I mean, they've ended your playoffs the last two years. And then to just get blown out 42 to 10 like that that was that really rocked everything there and, and, and to a point where it made me wonder how are they going to rebound from this and they have rebounded well 
uh, their previous two games, but they're not on the level of teams like the Niners or like the Eagles. And so that's why this game, very similar buildup to that Niners game. A lot of talk about, you know, how big this game is because these are two teams that could potentially see each other again in the playoffs, obviously the NFC East on the line. And so I'm fascinated to see what kind of team it's, I, you don't even have to tell me about the whole game. I want to see the first few series because in the first few series against San Francisco, you were like, Oh no, no, this, this Niners team's on a different, <laughs> different level to the point where the most surprising thing to me that's happened all season is the Niners losing these last three games because that Niners team, the way they dominated the Cowboys, I was like, well, you can just might as well just put them right in the NFC championship game, probably against the Eagles winner goes to play, you know, maybe the chiefs, but the last three weeks, it makes you think, okay, well, yeah. maybe it's a week to week league. Yeah. All right, a couple of things I want to specifically, boxes I want to check with you. Because during the offseason, last we spoke, you did the Cowboy preview with us, and we thank you for that. Um, Cowboys got credit during the offseason for addressing some needs. Needed a better second option at wide receiver, went out, acquired it. Needed an upgrade at the other cornerback across from your all-pro corner. Oops, he got hurt. Uh, but did go out and fill that void. So people were giving him credit for him, and I was too. But I thought they had a couple of step backs, and I thought people were skipping over those. So I need you to check the boxes on the three guys or the three areas where I thought the Cowboys were a little bit in question. Kicker. Wait a minute. They're going to bring in a guy from the USFL? He's kicking in empty stadiums, and now they're going to have him kicking in the Palace in Dallas under all that pressure? Are you kidding me? Kicker's been okay, hasn't he? Yeah, he's far exceeded <laughs> expectations. I mean, I just go back to the start of training camp. We're out in Oxnard, California, and you know, it's we're outside and there's a little bit of wind and it just it looked like it was going to be one of these deals where at that time when camp started, I would have I would have felt pretty comfortable telling you that the Cowboys would have at least two and maybe three kickers <laughs> during this upcoming <laughs> season. And Brandon Aubrey has just taken it to another level where heck, even the first game trots out there first extra point misses it and you're just thinking oh this is brett maher all over again like they didn't find the answer at all you know this is a team that needed to address this in the draft or or in free agency and and and, and they this is going to be something that we're going to rip them for hasn't missed a kick since no. uh i mean and including <laughs> last week and he hit this 58 yarder um and it would have been good from at least 70 and so i mean yeah he's completely locked in it, it just it kind of just speaks to just how odd it is in terms of finding kickers and, and it's really made me think a lot about Justin Tucker and Adam Benatari, undrafted guys that are legendary. And you're yeah. sitting there thinking, oh, to get a guy like that, you're going to have to draft them. And uh, so if this continues to work out and Aubrey keeps playing well, then uh, hats off to John Fossil. Yeah. John Fossil went to one of his USFL games, not wearing any Cowboys gear, basically doing a scouting mission. Really liked Brandon a lot and, and, and brought him in. And, and man, it is far. That's been of everything in the Cowboys roster. Nothing. I, I don't think anything's exceeded expectations yeah. as much as he has. Real quick, I got to jump in before. Yeah, I always tell everybody, John, I, I'm in awe whenever I see Justin Cut, Tucker kick. He was here for joint practices. I'm like, what is this guy? This is this guy's like different than anything I've ever seen. The ball just explodes off his foot. But I digress. I had to. Yeah. Say. All right. Uh, next box I need you to check for me was tight end because I thought they're going to miss Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz was the safety net, the valve or Dak Prescott. And I didn't know they had enough left in the tank there. I thought they overdrafted Schooner in the second round. Uh, but Ferguson's done a pretty nice job. How would you rate their uh, tight end play after they're deciding not to resign Dalton Schultz? I'd say it's been solid. 
Um, I think it would be better if they still had Dalton Schultz, but I get what they're doing. They're trying to develop the next Dalton Schultz. Uh, and I think Ferguson can certainly do that. Uh, Ferguson is further along in his career being in year two than where Dalton Schultz was when he was with the Cowboys. He, he kind of, it, it was until like pretty much his third year until where he started taking the step to where he became that safety blanket for Dak Prescott. I think Ferguson's getting there. The next step is to have that type of a game though, against the Eagles in a, in a big game where, you know, it's, it's a tight game. You need to make some big throws and big moments. That's what we have to see from Jake Ferguson and know that, you know, he has fully taken that over, but uh, they don't feel any differently about it. They like the moves that they made at the position, but up to this point, it, it hasn't been a position that's wowed you. All right. And last one for me, that's with the three things I had tight end kicker, Mike McCarthy, the play caller. Both John and I are kind of in the minority here in Philadelphia that we think McCarthy's an okay coach. I just didn't think he was a great play caller in Green Bay, and I thought they were mistaken handing him the keys to that before the year started. John and you did a good job describing the peak and valley nature of the Cowboys so far. When they're great, they're great. When they're bad, they're god-awful. Look out below. Would you describe McCarthy's play calling to this point the same way? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think it's been what we kind of expected. I don't think anybody was or shouldn't have been expecting all of a sudden just this, well, where did all of this come from? This looks nothing like anything that Mike McCarthy's run before. Uh, He made it pretty clear in the offseason what he wanted to do. He wanted to run the ball more, lean on their defense. The strength of this team is their defense. And up to this point, that's what they've tried to do. They haven't Mm -hmm. run it well. They're only averaging 3.9 yards a carry. That's far too low for them. Um, So it's forced them to turn a little bit more to the passing game. Um, but in terms of, you know, putting up some huge numbers and that, like, I don't think anybody should have been expecting that. So up to this point, um, you know, outside of that Niners game, you know, it, it's hard to be too critical of what he's been as an offensive coordinator. But I'll say this games like Sunday against the Eagles, January games in the playoffs, that's where it'll ultimately be decided how good of a play caller he was. And and if it was the right move to to move on to Kellen Moore, move on from Kellen Moore and give him the play calling. All right, John, before we get to that defense, got to bring up the quarterback. I mean, Dak Prescott is one of those guys for me. I'm, I'm, I'm a Dak guy. I'm, I think he's a really good quarterback. Um, I, I, there's a lot of people who think he isn't, and I don't know what they're watching at times. Uh, here in Philadelphia, it's kind of understandable because, you know, they just don't want him to be good, but, but he is, um, Talking to Brian Johnson, uh, the Eagles offensive coordinator, who was his uh, uh, college coach uh, back at uh, uh, Mississippi State. And and he only has tremendous regard for Dak Prescott as as a quarterback. What what's missing? Why? Why are the there's so many people? I guess we should know we see the same thing with Jalen Hurts here. But why do you think there are so many people who look at Dak Prescott and say, that guy's not not an elite quarterback because to me, top ten is I don't know if you want to use whatever adjective you want to use, but he's a top ten quarterback. Yeah, I completely agree. I know I, I've never been one that thought he was top five, but I've always thought he's top ten quarterback uh, throughout his entire time. I'll say that the biggest things are longest tenured starting quarterback in the NFL with the same team eight years. So you have a large sample size. It's a Dallas Cowboys week in, week out, playing well, playing bad. They're always a main topic. 
And so when you're the quarterback of that franchise and you haven't won a Super Bowl, you haven't been to an NFC championship game, you're going to get more blame than anyone uh, because of that. So, yeah, I think it's a little bit overrated, the criticism on him. But I, I'll say this after that Niners game with how how much buildup there was to that game and how poorly he played in my time covering this team, his entire time as as their starting quarterback, that was the lowest I, I felt like his approval rating was. It was even where you were getting your typical Dak supporters that were kind of sitting there going, you know what, maybe this isn't the future. But the way that he has responded to last two games, it, it's typical Dak. Like he he always seems to find a way to bounce back. The, the issue is that he's got to do it in January, and that's what he'll ultimately be judged on. And if he doesn't, then all the criticism will continue. But throughout this entire time, I've never sensed any wavering from the Cowboys front office. You know, it's, it's fan-based stuff. It's stuff like, you know, the news shows, the different sports talk yeah. shows and stuff like that that drives it. But within the building, they haven't wavered. Um, and But they, they need to see more from him. Obviously, they need they need him to go on a big playoff run. And uh, we'll see if he'll be able to do that, uh, you know, in January. But I get why, why he's criticized to a certain extent, but I also think it's overblown because it's the Cowboys. And you kind of hit the nail on the head the way that I look at Dak. We, we're kind of in a position like that here in Philadelphia with Joel Embiid. The regular season is irrelevant. Joel Embiid can win another MVP this year. And guess what? If he doesn't come up big in the playoffs, he sucks. And the same thing with Dak. He could be the top-rated quarterback in the NFL. He gets bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Means nothing. He could be the 18th-ranked quarterback. But if he gets on a run and goes to the Super Bowl, he's Roger Starback. It's kind of stink <laughs> for those guys no. who have to get through the entire regular season knowing – that what they do is borderline irrelevant. It all comes down to what they're going to do in the postseason, right? Yeah, and, there, and there's part of me being originally from Detroit that sees a little bit of the Matthew Stafford there where you're like, yeah, I mean, if you let him go, don't think he's yeah. going to be on the streets. Yeah. He'll get a job somewhere. And, yeah. man, what, what a story. And that would be typical sports. Uh, the Cowboys move on from Dak. He goes to another team and then it finally has the ultimate success with that other team. Yeah. And just how Cowboys fans would be kicking themselves like, okay, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought. The other thing is social media and that, I mean, every, everything yeah, I just all. feel like is dissected far beyond. I, I was joking around with uh, a friend of mine that covers a team that I bet you there's people that, that they get to those Kansas city chiefs games, five, six hours early tailgating the, in the parking lot, complaining about something Mahomes did. And, and, and the rest of us oh, are sitting yeah. there. You're right. Going, you're right. You're, you're so fortunate to have. Well, them. look understand. at look at the reaction in Minnesota this week. Cousins yeah. would probably be the biggest guy. And now that they don't have him, they're like panic stricken. They're like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's certain guys and Matthew Stafford is probably the best example, because for years, I would say that guy's good. People around the league tell you how good he is. Uh, he's been with a bad team, bad organization. And he got to prove it. He got to go to the right situation, win a Super Bowl. Same guy. And I would argue better in Detroit than he was with the Rams when he won the Super Bowl. But yeah, kind of doesn't matter unless you it, it that 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 philosophy for quarterbacks is skewed pretty poorly, I would say, when people judge him only on Super Bowls, because so much has to go right. Uh, to win a Super Bowl. And we've seen that here in Philadelphia. Tremendous team came up just short. And everybody's, you know, the expectations, John, are just so out of whack. Um, and that's what the Eagles are dealing with now. They got to win every week. And not only do they have to win every week, they got to get style points. Jody knows 
People are complaining all that. They've been either number one or tied for number one record-wise in the NFL since week one of last year. So 26 consecutive weeks. And if they lose to the Cowboys, the sky will be falling, my friend. It will be falling. And that's just the nature of it. And the Cowboys have that, I think, a little bit more as America's team and all that kind of stuff. Now, Michael Irvin said something uh, I thought was uh, astute this week, and this is a game of 11s. Either Micah Parsons gets home or A.J. Brown's going to kill the Cowboys. You think you think that's correct? I think it's I think it's possible. Certainly, it wouldn't surprise me if, if that potentially happened. Um, I look at it more along the lines of the Arizona Cardinals game that the Cowboys lost because the Cardinals do some similar things that the Eagles do, and the Eagles have much better players doing that. And so the thing that killed the, the Cowboys in that game was the running game it was the micah parsons demarcus lawrence maybe being a little overzealous getting to the quarterback because that's their game and then the quarterback's leaking out for a huge run or uh you know they're, they're doing some type of misdirection play where your uh, aggressiveness is used against you it, the discipline of the of those guys up front will be the thing that i'm most focused on uh with the cowboys edge rushers so yeah no if they're not getting home to hurts yeah th those receivers are a serious problem. There's, there's no question about that, but uh, Hertz's legs, I think are the, are the thing that I'll be focused on a little bit. He's more. banged up. He's he, he didn't run at all against Washington basically. So um, he's, he's hurting with his knees. So that could help the Cowboys, but uh, how have they sort of persevered with the Trayvon Diggs injury? Uh, Cause that's a big one. Yeah. They, you know, they've been, so the, the draft when they took Micah Parsons, uh, you know, they had a top 10 pick and the focus was all on, they had to get another top corner to, to pair with Trayvon. And so they wanted Sertan, they wanted uh, JC Horn and both get picked right before him. So they have to settle for Micah Parsons and the rest is history. Um, <laughs> but they, they got very fortunate. They had been, so in the second round of that draft, they draft Kelvin Joseph completely swing and miss there, but they ended up finding Jerron Bland as a fifth round pick. And, and he is, he is, he's been the answer for them there. I mean, just three pick sixes, um, just has a knack for the ball and uh, is just so unlike typical corner, playmaking corners in terms of his demeanor. Uh, so hard to pull a decent quote out of him. Doesn't really like to talk, uh, really keeps himself, no trash talk during the games, uh, but he's been huge for them. And he was, he was their nickel corner with Trayvon, but with Trayvon out, they moved him to yeah. the outside and, and they really haven't skipped a beat. I mean, they've been the NFL's best team at taking the ball away the last two years. And with what Bland's doing, they're right in that mix again for a third consecutive year. So surprisingly, he, you know, there hasn't been, it hasn't been felt as, as, as much as maybe we thought when Diggs went down, but I will say with the trade deadline, there was some thought of, well, why don't they go get another corner to make up for that in case, because that where they are at corner right now, they're good starting wise, but if they were to lose one of those starters, it might get pretty thin quick. All right. I uh, want to turn the attention from coverage to the ability to stop the run, which it's always nice when you got a corner who can come up and make a tackle. Um, the Cowboys and the Eagles are a little different in matching up their two defense. Eagles are different than the team they were last year. Last year, they were great against the pass. Number one in the NFL against the pass. They could be run on when Jordan Davis wasn't in the lineup. This year, they're number one in the NFL against the run. 
but they're giving up a whole bunch of yards against the pass, including Sam Howell picking them apart for two games this year. Cowboys are the opposite. They're very good at the uh, at stopping the pass, but they have been a little leaky against the run this year. How will they match up against the Eagles? We've seen Eagles when the other team dares them to run the football, say, oh, yeah, we'll run it. We'll run it down your throat. Are the Cowboys ready to come in and stop the Eagles if the Eagles dedicate to moving the football on the ground on Sunday? It'll be interesting to see. I mean, defensive tackle is a spot where, you know, they drafted Mozzie Smith in the first round. He hasn't really met the expectations right now. They still have have hopes of him, and you know, in the future being that guy. But that's why he was drafted in the first round is because they knew they needed help stopping the run in the middle. And so Jonathan Hankins has been good. Oso Diggy Zoo has been good. Uh, Neville Gallimore has been solid. Uh, but that defensive tackle spot, it it is it can be vulnerable against the run, and so that will be an interesting uh, thing to keep track of. Um, but I sense in this game, though, you know, if they can, I think they'll be okay against the run. It's it's really like I said with the Hertz thing leaking out, maybe taking a play and, and turning it into something bigger than it was, or if they're not getting pressure on the quarterback, throwing down the field. But yeah, on the other side of it, I just I would be surprised if the Cowboys get their running game going against this Eagles defense. Their running game is just it hasn't been there all season long. They've wanted to try and establish it, and it just they've had no luck at all. You know, it's funny going back to what you said about uh, Sertan and Horn, the Eagles and the Cowboys. That's the two players the Eagles wanted: uh, Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn. Although uh, for them, I think they wanted Horn first, Sertan second. Uh, and they had to settle for Devontae Smith. So <laughs> things tend to work out uh, sometimes, not all the times, but certainly for the Cowboys and the Eagles in that draft. Um, you know, third down, the Eagles are the best team in football um, and have been. Uh, that's where, to me, Jalen Hurts kind of sets himself apart uh, not only the tush push nonsense, but, you know, extending plays when needed to be. And he just tends to deplete teams who do a good job on defense, extends things, uh, schoolyard type plays. Um, and when you do everything right, it kind of gets demoralizing for a defense. And I think that's where Jalen Hurts kind of impacts the game most. Cowboys are top 10 on third down defense. To me, that's where the game is going to be won. What do the Cowboys do well, do you think, on third down defense? Dan Quinn, I'm sure, is a big part of that. The biggest thing is is, is if they're able to stop the run and, and get to third down, it allows them to pin their ears back up front. And that's by far the, this team's greatest strength is that it's not, you know, Micah Parsons and, and, and Demarcus Lawrence get a lot of the headlines. But, it, I mean, it is really a deep crew. Dante Fowler, Dorrance Armstrong. They got a kid in Sam Williams that was a second-round pick last year that they just haven't even been able to get him on the field as much. So they have actually have him helping on special teams now because he is a talented player. So they come in waves with their with their pass rush. I th- think that's one of the biggest reasons that it's not even just the getting home and getting sacks. It's the pressures they get and how it forces other teams into turnovers. Um, that's when they're at their best. They, they, I mean, that's why this team wants to play with a lead that they want you to be in these situations where you got to come from behind that you are in third and long situations so that they can, you know, unleash their pass rushers on you. Um, but that's easier said than done against a team as talented as the Eagles. So um, I, I would say that that's been their greatest strength is, is getting that pass rush and then having that, if they're not getting home, then they're, they're forcing turnovers. I think that's the biggest thing. 
Uh, John and I were just talking about this borderline debating it before you came on the air this morning uh, as per what the Cowboys will do overall with their passing game. We watched Sam Howell go quick draw McGraw on them last week and just pick them apart. No pressure from the defensive line, no ability, too soft on the back end. And he just threw the ball wherever he wanted to. That's not the Cowboy offense. Dak isn't a one- or two-step drop, get the ball out of his hands as soon as possible kind of guy. They have faith in their offensive line, the skill, the schemes, and the uh, type of routes that they run. But you did see the Eagles get picked apart by a guy who got it out quick. How do you balance what we usually do, and we usually do pretty damn well, and what we really believe we can do against the defense we're facing how did the Cowboys balance those two things this week? What do you think their offense is overall going to look like over 60 minutes of football on Sunday? Well, even though it isn't working, they will try and run it early because I do think they don't want to see their defense on the field all game uh, against the, the Eagles offense, just slowly going up and down the field and, and, and gassing them. Uh, Mike McCarthy will not want that. So they're going to try and establish the run. I personally don't think it's going to work. I think the Eagles are going to get out to a lead and it's going to force the Cowboys to pass more than, you know, I mean, I look at like last year's game when, when the Cowboys won with Dak, he threw, I think 35 times. That's the type of game I think he's going to have to have here. And it has been clicking with him and CeeDee Lamb the last two games. It was really bad against the Niners. It's the most frustrated I've ever seen CeeDee Lamb. It just basically like he's the clear number one option on this team. To be honest with you, if I'm game planning for the Cowboys, line one, take away CeeDee Lamb, put two, yeah. three guys, whatever, make anybody else beat you. But I know that's also easier said than done. I, I see I see a lot of a lot of passing uh, between Dak and CD, and then if they try and take him away or they're successful in it, Brandon Cooks has has come on lately as well, and it might lead to where they need another pass catcher, whether it's Michael Gallup or Jalen Tolbert or Jake Ferguson, the tight end, to step up. But I, I they'll want to run. I just don't think it's going to work, and it's going to force them to go through the air because that's what it's going to take to have them a chance to win the game. And going off of the last two games, I think Dak's in a good spot, rhythm-wise, uh, mentality, confidence. Um, but, of course, yeah, this is going to be a much better defense, a much better team than, than they faced the last two weeks. Uh, at John Mashota, make sure you follow John on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it these days. He does a tremendous job uh, covering the Dallas Cowboys. By the way, is this the one day the Cowboys aren't the uh, biggest story in, in the Dallas area? Uh, World Series champion Texas Rangers, for those who don't know, play in Arlington. Uh, so are they on the back page for once, John? Yeah, in Dallas. Yeah, sure. But I like, I, again, not being from Dallas, I've always said, you know, there's obviously diehard Cowboys fans in Dallas. I mean, they're, they're yeah, passionate yeah. a bunch, but it's really about the when you go out of town, like when they, when you go to Philly and you have all these Cowboys fans, and it's just how big that brand is outside of it. But in in Texas today, yeah, there's no question. There's no question. It's I'm a little disappointed to be honest with you. I wanted it to be Rangers, uh, Phillies. I wanted it to go seven games, so that that seventh game would have been Saturday night. Then you have Cowboys. Yeah, that would yeah, that, that would have been cool. That would have been very cool. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what happened here last year yeah. when it was the Astros and the Phillies. Yeah. Sure enough, they were playing the uh, Texans that that given weekend well i gotta get one football one that was just i just wanted to hear about the rangers give them <laughs> congratulations by the way that's a tremendous run for them but uh jody and i've been talking about this because the eagles um got kevin byard before the trade deadline two-time pro bowl safety 
Now, from the Cowboys' perspective, you know, Jerry Jones always says, ah, we're good. We don't need to do. And for all his reputation, he's generally very conservative. On paper, coming into the season, you would say uh, safety wasn't a big problem for them. But those guys haven't played up to their reputation. Uh, and they have three guys. Is that fair to say? And also, the receivers after CD. What happened to Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks? Uh, those are the two positions where I see some guys underachieving. Well, with Gallup, it's pretty clear that that knee injury really set him back from two years ago. He just hasn't been the same player. Um, and I don't even know if it's necessarily a physical side of it. It's, I think, the mental side of it. I don't know that he's 100% gained that confidence back in his ability that he had before that knee injury. And, and it's pretty evident in, in his play. And he's now he's you know, it was the time when they signed him that they thought he'd be their number two. And, and he's clearly their number three receiver right now. Cooks, it was kind of a slow start, but he's picked it up recently. Um, I would be surprised if he's not a factor in this game. Uh, and if he's not, then the Eagles will definitely win. They're going to need more than CeeDee Lamb. So uh, it is funny you say the thing about Bayard, though, because uh, that's the thing down here. It's uh, Cowboys fans look at Howie Roseman and what the Eagles do, and it's whenever they have a hole, they go out and they fill it. And the Cowboys haven't been like that. And that's supposed to be the reputation of the team. And so to see them make that move right before the trade deadline and the Cowboys not make any type of move. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't sit well at all, especially when your biggest rival is constantly when there's an issue, they go in and they're very aggressive about it. And, and you'd think with Jerry Jones reputation, it'd be the same way. And really over these last four or five, six years, he's been much more conservative when it comes to adding players to the roster and leaning more into this draft and develop that frankly, I never thought Jerry Jones would become. So uh, we'll see how that works out. The safety position, I would say, I mean, they've been, they've been good, but no, J Ron curse hasn't had, hasn't played as well as, as he would be hoping or, or they would be hoping. So maybe this is a game where, where he kind of breaks out, but it's the best safety group that they've had in such a long time that it's, it's difficult to be too critical because we've seen bare bones where they they had the worst safety group probably in the entire league yeah. for a while. Yeah. Here's where I'll take that uh, question. John just asked you to the next level. How would plays here on birds 365 with McMullen, Machota and McDonald is one thing. How it plays with the cowboy fans and talk radio and doubt is a, how it plays on talk radio here in Philadelphia with the fan base. He goes, no, how did it play in the locker room for the Cowboys? Eagles go out, as you said, fill a hole. Cowboys go out and do nothing. And the owner was on record at the time going, yeah, we won't make any calls. If somebody calls us, we'll pick up the phone, but we're not, we don't have to aggressively pursue anything. It's confidence, but it's also a little cocky. How did it play in the locker room? Uh, the, the, the players just buying into Jerry's line of BS. We're good. We don't need anything. We don't have any holes. How to play with the players. Up to this point, I haven't heard anything negative about it because okay. I will say this. They do have depth on defense of, of some younger players that if they if they have to step up, they believe in them. And those players believe in themselves that they can ha take a bigger role if needed. Uh, I think on the outside, fans, media and such maybe aren't as confident as they are inside the locker room about those situations. Uh, I think the biggest thing, if you look at this Cowboys team, the biggest issue is the offensive line uh, health. And then just even coming in the season, their depth just isn't great. And this is a team that's had a good offensive line for the better part of the last decade. And it just isn't on that level. They just have not stayed healthy and they haven't been nearly as effective. But the issue is just how often are notable offensive linemen traded at the deadline. That was their biggest need. 
um, but it just it's tough to 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 get a deal done uh, for an offensive line and then have that player step in and, and be a factor immediately. It just isn't a position group that happens very often. That's the one yeah. area where I could see. That's where Cleveland went to Jacksonville. That True. was the uh, yeah, and only for a six round pick. So that and he's a pretty good player. So. Uh, but I, I heard he wants to play tackle, so maybe that complicates things. Uh, I mean, we're not supposed to project right now what teams are going to do in the draft because it doesn't make sense. But I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, I'd be stunned if the Cowboys' first-round pick isn't an offensive lineman. It's the biggest area of need. Fair enough. Um, Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles. Safe travels, John, by the way, up here. I, I will see you, hopefully, in the press box. So. Uh, big one. And this is, by the way, murder's row stretch for the Eagles. This is it, man. If they can get through this stretch, they're going to have the number one seed. And if teams have to come back to Lincoln Financial Field, we've already seen it twice, Super Bowl 52, Super Bowl 57. It's probably, Eagles are probably going to be in a good spot. So this is a, a big game, to say the least. Absolutely. JM, great stuff. Appreciate you jumping in with us today. Thank you very much. John, I'll see you down in the uh, press box on Sunday. Yeah, they might not feed you as well as they do down there. In no, Terry. nobody Mullen feeds you as well as Terry. Goes, oh, my God. Give Terry the props. He takes I care will of us never, I always stick up for Jerry. But <laughs> first does. of all, John, I was talking to one of the ushers there. Well, well, the, the facility is phenomenal, but. You know, Jerry tailors their their suit jackets for them. The ushers, the guy's clad. The guy's a hundred percent clad. I he might be a nut. He might be. He might not do stuff on the football side, but that spread is unbelievable. You guys are spoiled. For, I, I'll agree with you with that. The one difference, though, I will say is that because you mentioned about the Eagles potentially getting you know home field in the playoffs because of every all of that stuff. I just don't see a time when you could no, ever create very, that environment yeah, there, you know? Yeah. And, and it's too big. There's yeah. too many people. It's, it's, yeah, it's too big. Um, but yeah, I digress. Johnny, great <laughs> stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Thanks much. Uh, it should be a good one on Sunday. I think it's going to be competitive on Sunday. Enjoy. And we'll be looking forward to reading you in the athletic come Monday. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. These are the, these are the games you live for. John Thanks, from the athletic here with us on birds 365 all right good dude and knows this cowboy stuff inside now yeah all jerry right. man Whew. yeah i'm telling you Whew. he people he does off the field people can take a lot of lessons from him handles ancillary things very well he is the de facto general manager and that's still a question slash issue but uh he's not afraid to uh, around the edges, uh, put up and uh, take care of people. All right. He's McMullen. I'm McDonald. That's Mac and Mac Birds 365. Come back. I got a question to two for John before we punch up Jeff Mosher from InsideTheBirds.com. He's going to join us coming up in about 15 minutes. So keep you there on Birds 365.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Win and save this baseball season from Colony Pools and Power Washing, a local company serving Delaware, Delco, and Chester County since 1970. Are you tired of looking at your greenhouse? Is your roof, siding, deck stained green from algae and mold? Let the experts pressure wash your home and take the pressure off of you. Win with Colony Pools and Power Washing. Call them now at 302-762-2250. That's 302-762-2250. McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Thanks, John Mishota, for jumping in. Uh, I just like talking Cowboys with him and do it here on Birds 365. I do it on my radio shows. He's a good dude, and he always has good insight to the Cowboys. And one of the things I've learned about having John on is when I ask him projection questions for games that are coming immediately, long haul, whatever, I go back and think about his answers after the fact and Damn, he's right a lot. He, he's got a good read on what's going to happen in advance, which I think is very telltale this week, John, at least my take on it. Um, I think the Cowboys are just stone cold cocky. I don't care how good a spread Jerry Jones puts on for you guys down there in <laughs> Dallas. The fact that he said last week, yeah, we won't be making any calls. The, the, they did get beat by the Arizona Cardinals this year. Badly. They did get crushed by the San Francisco 49ers who turned around and shortly thereafter lost three straight games. There's some tape on this team where you go, what the F? Yeah, there are games where they look like the best team in all of football. They've been the biggest peak and valley team in the National Football League. So you've got faith that in the biggest spots, you're just going to be able to turn it on and go, all right, now we're the great Cowboys, not the god-awful Cowboys. Cockiness. And the thing that John told us today about their offense, 
that he thinks that McCarthy's going to come out and just run the football because that was his game plan before the season started. We have to run to set up the pass. They think that Pollard was going to have this bust out year. He hasn't. Uh, and that's the way that we're going to go into it each and every single week. You don't want to run the football against Philadelphia. Did we not? Did, did, did they not get the tape from the commanders game this week? Nobody runs a football against the Eagles. The Eagles are the best in the league at uh, run run against. But the safe the, the secondary right now is leaking oil. The pass rush didn't get home last week. Will the Eagles benefit from the fact that here comes my favorite John McMullen word that I use from time to time? The hubris of the Dallas Cowboys could that be a major asset for the Philadelphia Eagles this week? Yeah, I mean, I already talked about it with the quick passing game because everybody's worried about the quick passing game Should here be. in Philadelphia. And I, I said, you don't have to – half of that will take care of itself because most teams aren't going to play like Washington because they have more confidence in, the, in themselves, and certainly the Cowboys do as well. I think what John was trying to – look, you can't give up on the running game completely, uh, you know, and just show up and, um, you know, and part by and the Eagles have been very good against the run. Don't get me wrong. Best in the league. Yeah, number one in the league. But you know, part of that is as well. Um, I'm looking it up. They're 26 now in pass defense. So as you mentioned last year, they were number one in pass defense, and I think they were 17, 16th or 17th versus the run. That kind of goes hand in hand, you know. In other words, teams are struggling to run, so they pass it right away, and all of a sudden they get skewed. Um, so I'm not saying the Eagles aren't very good against the run. They are, and I think a lot of that foundationally comes from Jordan Davis, um, and he's banged up as well. So is he going to be in a pitch count? I mentioned that. Um and 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 then you factor in, all right, if you're not having any success and it's easy to pass the ball, where well, you're just gonna pass the ball. So um what what McCarthy, what I like about McCarthy is his philosophy. And this is where I think people jumped down his throat in the offseason when he was taking over the play calling, because Kellen Moore's a new age guy and he throws the ball and they got great numbers and but I, I compare it to Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly was a great offensive coach. Chip Kelly, in a lot of ways, was ahead of the curve in the NFL. So many things Chip Kelly brought to Philadelphia um, have now become entrenched in the game of professional football as a whole. But he had no dampener. He had no. He had no filter. No, no he, balance. He, he 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 didn't know when to take the foot off the gas. Um, it, that's what I think Mike McCarthy was trying to say. Sometimes you have to have a football IQ and say, if you're up two touchdowns, you don't have to be up three touchdowns. You just got to get to the finish line. And he wanted a little more common sense in his offense. And I think people today, not everybody, I, I get in trouble when I uh, um, um, put everybody into one carry. But there are a lot of people today, and I think it's tilted towards you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to go for it on fourth down. You don't have to do any of that. You have to understand the situation of the game, have a football IQ, and manage the game properly. Now, does he do that um, 
that I don't watch the Cowboys every week. Um, does he do it better than Kellen Moore? I, I we're going to see. I don't I don't get to watch the Cowboys every week. I see them quite a bit because the the Cowboys. But <clears throat> that's what he was talking about, and I think that was completely misconstrued. Of oh, he wants to go back to nineteen seventies like Seth gets criticized for, and run the football. That's not what he said. He basically said there are times when you you have to take the foot off the gas to best get to the finish line. Um, ultimately, that will be decided by how the Cowboys finish. Um, and yes, they are. I compare them to the pitcher with the ace with the good stuff. Um, there were certain pitchers, and we're old school baseball guys, Jody. I'm, I'm talking old school now, not not new. Where six innings is um, a a great performance. There were certain guys. Roger Clemens comes first to mind for me. I don't know for you. He didn't have his his best stuff. He was going to find a way to grind through and find a way to get to the finish line, find a way to win the game. There's a lot of guys who would have their great stuff and they'd be phenomenal. And then they'd show up the next five days later and get get beaten up because they didn't have the ability to the craftiness, the IQ to get through without their best stuff, and they get you know, hit around the hit around the yard. That's how I compare the Cowboys right now. When they got their A stuff, look out. When they don't, they can't persevere. Right, and. Part of the point I was making about the Cowboys and their hubris is it stems from the owner on down, but might include the coach a little bit that uh, he's going to dictate terms. No one wants to admit before they snap the ball for the first time, John, that they're even thinking about what the other team is doing. They all want to have hubris. They all want to have confidence. They all want to have self-belief that we're going to dictate terms. As soon as the game starts, Who's dictating terms to who? Are you dictating terms to the opposition or is the opposition dictating terms to you? And that's where I think you find your, your, your brilliance in football. And I'm not ready to put Nick Sirianni there yet, but he's certainly showing flashes. It's a balance. The best coaches, the best prepared teams acknowledge what the other team does well or take advantage of what the other team does poorly even if it's not your overall way of doing it. Everyone comes in to see, here's what we want to do. The perfect game for us every week would include 0.1, We can't have that every single week. Some, some weeks it comes out, you do it for play number one, and it just goes according to Hoyle the entire game. You win easily, and everybody's ecstatic in the locker room because you dictated terms. You came out and you did it the way you wanted to. You had the right grasp on it before the game ever started. Perfect. It's not always perfect in the NFL. And these are two evenly matched teams that I think you've got to give at least some credence to what the opposition is doing. And from a Dallas Cowboy perspective, they better do that because the Eagles are the best team in football. And if you think you're just going to come out and do what you want to do because you're the Dallas Cowboys, sadly mistaken. Do you think that happens on Sunday? Do you think <clears throat> the Cowboys are that confident coming into Lincoln? Finals? Yeah, I think the Cowboys are. But by the way, I think the Eagles are incredibly um uh confident and there's a ton of hubris on that side i mean the eagles think they can do anything against anybody where i think the eagles coaching staff sets themselves apart is 
they have such confidence. Typically, teams have strengths, like we're saying, well, the Cowboys can't run the ball well this year, but they can throw the ball well, or they have thrown the ball well. The Eagles don't give a rat's ass. They didn't come into that Minnesota game in week two planning to run the football as much as they did. They saw six-man boxes and said, you know what? If you're going to line up like that, Brian Flores, we're going to run it down your throat. That's where I think the Eagles coaching staff has been different over the past two years than most coaching staff. They will shift on a dime because they have so much confidence that they're able to do whatever. And Nick says it all the time, says it five times a week. If we got to throw it 50 times, we'll throw it 50 times. If we got to run it 50 times, we'll run it 50 times. And he's telling the truth. They have proven time and time again they will do that. And they'll do it in game. They'll come in saying, you know what? This looks like a good matchup passing-wise. And I think they came into that and saw Minnesota's cornerbacks in week two and said, we're going to be able to throw the football all over this team. And they showed up. And they said, we're going to take that away. We're going to take the quarterback rank. And they just ran the football. And that's where I think they set themselves apart. And the amazing part about that game and the way you just laid out, they were able to do it before halftime where they make those amazing adjustments. They were able to do it on the fly in games. Right. You make it when you're taking, when you're, when you're relieving yourself, you make those adjustments. He's John McBone. I'm Jody McDonald. I see Jeff Mosher. He is ready to jump in and stream in with us next. It is Birds 365. The Mosh Man is next. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. field of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank we're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids what we like about blocks is they really know where the need is this program ensures that their dollars come 100 percent into these kids for their tuition assistance if you are able blocks makes the eitc piece go very quickly and very smoothly turn your pa state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90 percent tax credit 
Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. And most here on Birds 365. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, Jeff Mosher from inside the Birds, uh, both.com, uh, their outstanding website, and the podcast that he and his buddies put together on a week in, week out basis. Good to see you, Mosher. Love the backdrop. No hat needed there because he's got the great backdrop. Um, got hair too. He doesn't he's hair. got hair too, which, uh, you know, yeah, we're, we're, you know, I mean, I'm not you guys, but I'm, I'm you know, my heydays are behind me. <laughs> Hopefully we're doing this long enough so that we've got three guys with not much left on top doing it together. All right, here's where I want to go first because we were just uh, debating this back and forth. Adjustments. John loves mm-hmm. to tell the story of, yeah, while you're peeing. That's why you're making halftime adjustments. Uh, not halftime, in-game adjustments. I thought the week before I was singing the praises of Sean Desai going, he did things differently against Miami. He'd get up and pressure Waddle a little bit and play with a corner right in his face. Not every single play, because that's just not the Eagle defense. But once in a while, he never did it against the Commanders this past week. I thought he made the adjustment, and it worked in-game or halftime or whenever the hell he made it before the game started against Miami and made none last week against the Commanders. You have faith that Sean Desai, if adjustments pre-game, in-game, halftime, last possession are needed. He's the guy to push the right buttons at the right time. Um, well, first of all, I'm going to slightly disagree with you a little bit. Okay, and, good, uh, I'm not going to pretend to be the expert here. I got this from um, our great podcast done by Quentin Michael and Jason Avant called the Q&A podcast on Inside the Birds. And what they did notice, is, especially in the third quarter going into the fourth quarter, was that the pass rush started – executing a different style of stunt, which Washington really struggles with stunts. They did it last week against the Giants, too. Um, that enabled the Eagles to get more pressure. And if you do look, in the starting midway through the third and into the fourth quarter, Hassan Reddick had the huge sack there. Um, they were able to generate more pressure on Sam Howell in the last, say, 12 to 15 minutes of the game than they were for the start. Now, that's an adjustment to what Washington doing, right? Washington's running so much quick game, and I don't know that anybody saw – that amount of quick game coming. And then not just quick game, but when you, they were taking their best playmakers and putting them on the inside instead of the outside um, and then trying to run quick game off the middle of the Eagles defense. So it's hard to it's hard to get sacks when the ball is going to come out that quickly. But if you can confuse the offensive line and get some hands in the quarterback's face, which is what Jason and Quentin noticed uh, they started doing more in the third, fourth quarter – um, then you can sort of neutralize what you're seeing from that quick game. So um, I felt like that was an adjustment that I myself didn't notice at all uh, watching the game, Jody, but I did notice that there was more pressure in the fourth quarter, and that was something 
schematically there. So I do have faith um, that Sean Desai, listen, that having faith in them going out and doing it and winning is two different things. But I feel like I've seen some pretty good third and fourth quarters from the Eagles defense this year. Uh, the Rams game is a great example of how they look like terrible for a first quarter, first yeah. half, they came out and pitched a shutout. Uh, there have been other Miami game really good in the second half, too. So, I, you know, I, I think that they'll have a pretty decent plan in. But at the end of the day, you are definitely as good as your personnel on the back end is. And there are some issues that the Eagles have there, no doubt. Yeah, and that's where I wanted to go with you, Jeff, that back end, specifically up the middle of the field. Now, um, now injuries – Doug Peterson used to say this back in the day, you know, I asked him what can derail a season most quickly. And he said multiple injuries at the same position Um, already happened in slot. I mean, going back to the preseason with Zach McPherson, the backup going down, then it was Avante Maddox. who's one of the best nickel corners. And now we've had, they've used eight different bodies in there. It's absurd. And one hand, and I was saying this, I respect Sean Desai for trying different things, looking at different pieces. But at some point, you got to make a decision, don't you? And I think we're at that point now that we're by the trade deadline. I think they want it to be Bradley Roby. Now, he's not healthy either. So eventually they'll get there. But even before you get there, Mm -hmm. don't you have to make a decision now at that particular position? I do think you do. Um, I think Bradley Roby was that decision. Obviously, he's been hurt. So then they had to get Josiah Scott. I mean, their their decisions right now are who can we what what body right can we put yeah. in that position that's played it before? Uh, to your point, I feel like especially entering the stretch of games they're about to play, that experimentation time for Sean Desai probably ends, and that would probably mean that you're not going to see Sidney Brown in the slot in big nickel packages like you saw in the first half or quite a bit against Washington, just not a slot cornerback. Um, and Are you predicting that for this week? Because he's not in the slot. There's be a lot of Sydney in the uh, slot this week. Yeah, I predict that we are not going to see a lot of Sydney Brown matched up against CeeDee Lamb. On the <laughs> well, it wouldn't be. Yeah. I think they're going to piecemeal it like they did last week, Jeff. And Well, it's, I think when, when, when Josiah Scott played two weeks ago because they needed a slot and some of their, you know, the guys like Sidney Brown were just coming back. I I personally feel like you'd want Josiah there in nickel, like traditional nickel. Um, because I don't, I don't disagree with you, Yeah, but remember Sidney started that game at safety. Um, so, and then, uh, Reed comes back, Kevin Byard's here. So all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you've, and that was an issue too. And Kevin's going to get better and better in the communication. I think that's going to settle down. So then it was, but okay, we got to get Sydney on the field. And then they decide to piecemeal it with Sydney Brown and, you know, and then Eli yeah. Rex and known pass situations. Um, right. To me, it should probably be, if you're going to piecemeal it, it should probably be Sydney Brown and Josiah Scott. But I don't know. I don't know what they're well, trying to do. Yeah, I mean, first of all, they're probably not going to play a lot of man defense. I think that that's yeah, they got to zone this up, right? Um, um, and and then secondly, I can see Sidney Brown playing, but maybe as a safety and not a nickel. In fact, Bayard has played nickel before, so you could have Reed yeah. Blankenship and Brown in your two deep coverages, and then put Bayard as the nickel. And I, I forgot about Eli Ricks. I thought he actually played decently. So you may, you know, he might be a better matchup. 
if you have to play man or man concepts within zone, um, you know, your, your cloud coverage is your quarter, quarter halves with Eli Ricks as your slot defender. I just don't think Sidney Brown is built for it. That's not his game. You want him as a safety coming down into the box, making a tackle or sideline to sideline. If a receiver catches the ball, you don't really want him in one-on-one situations like we saw. I mean, that's not something he ever did in college. And um, I know they drafted yeah, it's a him. a third-round pick, but you bring that interesting because yeah. he's a third-round. The Eagles call him a red star player. Um, yes. One of the yes. few red star players. But I'll ask you this, Jeff. Mm-hmm. They don't want a box safety. Why the hell did they draft Cindy Brown? Uh, you know, well, they want yeah, covered yeah. safeties. Um, he's more comfortable at the line of scrimmage, and that's why they're thinking, well, let's get him on the field in the slot near the line of scrimmage. And he did a really good job in run support. He made some – you see the athleticism. You see his abilities. But they don't have that player in this defense. They don't – that's not what this defense is designed so why, why uh, that's a strange fit to me from a from a draft perspective. Uh, you're right. They do. Uh, th- so they drafted two players this year, right? Who didn't play the positions that they were drafted at, but because they did at the Senior Bowl, the Eagles yeah. saw glimpses of it. And the other one being Tyler Steen, who was never yeah. a guard but played guard at the Senior Bowl. So you know the draft is a projection. Uh, they felt that they saw enough athleticism from Sidney Brown to be able to and then again i don't think that they saw him as a slot hybrid nickel i think they see him as a safety and eventually he'll be a safety and be put more especially in fangio style defenses he'll be put in situations where he's playing a lot of too high so he's not patrolling the whole field anyway i think eventually they'll get him into advantageous points they're just stuck in a bind right now and trying to see what works in the slot Um, but also i would say their track record of drafting corners and safeties isn't fantastic either so um, that that's yeah. something to, to watch for in the future. And the whole red star thing is very, very much a big part of it. I mean, Nicobe Dean, another guy who is considered great leader, captain, smart, has everything you want, but what they're going to ask him to do and what they are asking him to do now is not what he was asked to do in college in third down. He was getting the quarterback. He was a blitzer yeah. third down in this defense. You're taking drops. You're you're not blitzing if you're a linebacker. You're being asked to either do zone coverages and take deep drops or maybe every once in a while run with a tight end or an interior receiver, and that's not something he's done. Yeah. All right, Jeff, my next, question, uh, yeah. Correct. my next question is about a red star player too, and you guys will correct me if he wasn't, quote, unquote, considered a red star player. And I'm going to quote a Simpsons character. That would be Mr. Burns. Who, ironically enough, Jerry Jones kind of reminds me of. Uh, one of his famous lines is "Release the hounds." I'm only going singular here. One hound, as in Nolan Smith. Is this the week that Nolan Smith plays? All I'm asking for is one third of the snaps. He doesn't even get close to one third of the snaps. Uh, talk of camp, first round pick. And he's just not getting a chance to prove if he is or isn't a red star player. Is this the week they release the hounds and let uh, Nolan Smith go? Oh, Jody. Why do you, why do you have to go there? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bud. First of all, I was hoping you were going to quote Ralph Wiggum. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll go. Montgomery Burns is good. That's a good one. Um, listen, like what, what more do you want from their four? They have six yeah, rushers. Like I, I, I don't yeah, understand. Yeah. 
It's what okay to redshirt. Get better by putting yeah. Nolan Smith on the field. He's got to get stronger. You saw him a couple of times. Wait, wait. Uh, how many of those outside defensive ends got sacks left? Oh, that's right. One in the last five minutes you of the game. You can't sack so quarterback. As they are, they didn't uh, quite. So you're uh, you're telling me, Jody, you're pulling Hassan Reddick and all that experience and production off the field or Josh Sweat to maybe see if Nolan Smith can do a better job of He's it. He's getting less slaps, snaps than Derek Barnett on a weekly basis. He's a develop. You know, well, Maybe. if you found special teams where he's also playing, that's he's probably playing more snaps on the field than Derek Barnett. Yeah, no, but, yeah, I'm talking he, about from the line of scrimmage. But he was drafted for the future. He was the second yeah. first round pick. He's got two All Pro or one All Pro, and and the guy who's not the All Pro might be the best player. Yeah, he's the, the better. Team. He's the better one. He's the better. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't um, know what you, you know. I, like, you could have here's here's what I've been trying. You could have Joe Green. I don't know. Pick who you want. Uh, Jack Youngblood, Carl Eller can be in your rotation. Deacon Jones will make that a rotation. They weren't getting sacks last week. Nobody right. was getting sacks last week. When you yeah. get the football out that that quickly, nobody's getting sacks. The key is how are you going to adjust to that? And the Eagles, because of their middle of the field issues, Jeff brought up N'Kobe Dean. Um, oof. His coverage numbers. Um, and great. then you have the safeties. Reed Blankenship probably had his worst game of the year coming off the injury, even though he kind of made up for it with the interception. Kevin Byard, look, he's been there for five days. He, he had trouble communicating. It was a disaster in the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. um, that's got to get better. Does it get good enough when it ends up with Roby in the slot Kobe Dean, Zach Cunningham, Kevin Byard, Reed Blankenship. How good can it be? What is the upside with that group? Um, I have concerns, John. I mean, this is something we talked about on the podcast. I think the concerns extend to the fact that your outside corners who are supposed to be really good are not playing very good. I mean, the, the touchdown that James Bradbury gave up against Washington is almost inexcusable for a guy of his pedigree. He's biting on a run fake when you're the furthest outside corner. You are the last person, <laughs> maybe other than the steep safety, who can make a tackle if the guy actually hands off, right? Your responsibility in that zone right there, I think they were in a, in a cover one, is to just make sure Terry McLaurin doesn't get behind you, right? And you bite on a run fake and let him get behind you right from the start. That is not just one snap in which James Bradbury has not played well. Now I give him a little bit of a break because he was also one of the 312 slot corners they've had to play where he's never played that before. So he's had to do a lot this year, but that was his natural position. He hasn't played great. Slay hasn't played great. You add Kevin Byard. He's another guy over 30. Um, Greg Cosell, who does, you know, a show with Clay Harbor for us called inside the tape, it dropped today. They both pointed out they're they're a little concerned overall from outside to inside to linebacker with the lack of overall speed that the Eagles have in their back seven. And I think that manifested against Washington. Now, like they still have talent and I don't think every game they're going to get torn apart, but certainly when you look at Dallas and then Buffalo and San Francisco and um, uh, Kansas city, those are teams that have good quarterbacks, good offensive schemes can do those bunch formations that give the Eagles all sorts of fits so they're going to have to be high-scoring games for the Eagles, and they're going to Sean Desai will definitely have to figure out 
ways to make sure that his pass rush isn't neutralized because that when the Eagles pass rush is good, those guys in the back end are good. So yeah. he'll have to continue to be creative. Well, that's to why me, I said the Eagles, the Eagles best nickel cornerback is their pass rush. Yes. <laughs> when, when it gets home, they're okay. When it doesn't, yeah. it's an issue. It's a big I, they don't they don't cause takeaways anymore, guy. This is something that I remember talking to you guys about going into the year. Yeah. You know what's going to be about this Eagles remade defense? And I said if they don't take the ball away like last year, which I don't think they will, because a last year was somewhat unsustainable, and b you actually had a playmaker like C.J. Gardner Johnson, yeah. whereas nobody on that back end is known as a guy who's going to take the ball away a whole lot, except for Bayard, although that was years ago. So yeah. we'll see because right now they're they're minus. As a team, minus yeah. three in turnover ratio. It's hard to win games against good teams that way. Last yeah. coverage question, I promise. If yeah. these are the three scenarios, tell me which one is most likely to happen for the Eagles in coverage against the Cowboys. You play your zone, you play your zone. You do what you do. You have faith in the team. You're just going to stick to your principles and your players' injuries. You got to put in whoever you got to put in, but they, they don't change anything. Number two... They let tra uh, Slay travel some with C.D. Lamb. From time to time, depending on game situation and the lineup that the Cowboys come out with, you, you have faith in the communication, all your D-backs to go Slay, 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 meaning he's taking C.D. Lamb one-on-one. -on -one. Or Slay travels every play with C.D. Lamb. But they just put him against him and go, yeah, we're not going to get beat by C.D. Lamb and we'll – run the rest of our defense around the fact that he's going to play a mano a mano, which one's most likely to happen. I think Slay is going to stay to his, his side. I don't think he's going to travel. I think when you travel, what you do is you ask your entire secondary to be more communicative, more yep. out of place. And right now you're just putting too many guys who have not played together enough. Plus I'm of the mindset that CD's going to get his 10 for a hundred because that's how good he is. And that's how yeah. weak the Eagles are there. I'm my concern going into this game is don't let, Cooks beat me. Don't let uh, Tolbert beat me. Don't let uh, who's their other uh, uh, Michael Gallup. Gallup beat me. Don't let Ferguson you know beat me too much. If CD yeah. gets his ten for a hundred, but I shut down everybody else and T Tony Pollard doesn't scorch me, I feel like I'm all right. Yeah, I said the same thing, Jeff. Except it's like a Tyreek Hill game. Tyreek had like eleven for eighty-eight. Right. If it's ten right. for a hundred. It's fine. If it's 10 for 170, then you got an issue. So I think it's about making yards after catch, making that when he does catch it, make sure he's down pretty quickly. I think yeah. that is sort of what you have to do with CD, CD Lamb. But yeah, he's like an NBA scorer. He's going to get 20, make him 25, 30, make him work as hard as possible and limit the damage. It's yeah. not like you're going to shut out CD Lamb. It's not going to happen. His average, his average is 13.8, so if you're giving him 10, that's 138. That's not 100. Hey, like John said, give him 13 catches, but for 95 yards, you know, yeah. 110 yards. Yeah. Just, just keep him from going crazy, and you're good. Yeah. Is, is their defensive secondary that good at tackling that you can bank on that? Well, they have been. They did it Tackling, yes. Every, I don't think tackling um, is the issue. Yeah. They, they've proven they can do it Um, because, you know, as good as C.D. Lamb is, he's not Tyreek Hill. So um, they've proven they can do it, um, but they've also proven they can't do it in spots at times. So, yeah, it, that's the weakness of this team, up the middle on defense. I mentioned N'Kobe in coverage. N'Kobe, it was weird. He was so great against the run. and why, 
and just a disaster in coverage. I've been asking a bunch of people this, and I want to get your thoughts, Jeff. Nick Morrow's played really well, really well. Yeah. I get Nicobe's the long term. I get what the Eagles are doing. But this is obviously a legit Super Bowl contender. I would have kept playing Nicholas Morrow until he had a bad game. Then you say, all right, it's coming. You think the shoe's going to drop, but let the shoe drop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, it's, and and it's they tough, pretty right? much, yeah, they pretty much went back to Dean, but they're hedging and, and rotating a little bit. Yeah. Which but, I don't like. Yeah. I don't like line. I don't like, I don't like rotating it. linebackers, yeah. especially with the green dot and the helmet. I get why they're doing it. Nicobe's the guy in the future and all. But of all the names we haven't mentioned, the, a personnel source who's been watching Eagles tape told me, you know what? I think the guy who's done the best job in coverage, and maybe this is based Zach, on patient, yeah. is Zach Cunningham, yeah. right? So um, it's it basically they're what the the the, the inf, in, in the inference would be keep Cunningham and Morrow on the field because they were actually playing pretty well together when Dean was out, but that puts the organization in a bind and it sends a bad message about Dean, which may or may not be true. It's been too small of a sample other than that bad Washington game for Nicobe. So they're, they're going with this difficult, you know, rotation trying to make it work. But like I was just telling you with these games coming up, I think the time for experimentation is over. Get your two best linebackers on the field and figure it out after. Cause you know, inevitably somebody will get hurt or someone will have to come out and you'll, you'll be able to get whoever you want back on the field. But it is true that Morrow and Cunningham were doing the best job as a func- as a unit, as a tandem, yeah. when, when Dean was out. All right, Most know you got to run, so we'll finish here. Just fill in the blank, tipping your hand either way. The Eagles will win the game because an aspect of their game, a matchup, blah, blah, blah. The Eagles could lose this game because a matchup you fear, a strength of the Cowboys. Pick or choose whichever one you want. You know, the Cowboys are still inconsistent, and you can still run on them. So um, they'll win the game because they run the ball effectively and and are able to neutralize Micah Parsons, which they've been able to do in the past. Um, Why they would lose the game would be, I think, because they were not able to generate pressure and gave up too many yards, air yards, to guys like Lamb and, and Brandon Cooks. That'll be a key aspect. Uh, make sure you check out all and the turnovers, Cody. Turnovers. If they turn turnovers. the ball over as much yeah. as they've been doing, you think you, you think they're a plus on Sunday? I don't know. No, I'm telling. <laughs> if they're a plus, they win. If they're a minus, they lose. There you go. If they're a plus, they're a lock. But we're <laughs> not sure of that right now. Jeff, always a pleasure. Thank you much, bud. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Inside Jeff. the Birds.com, Inside the Bird Podcast. Good bud, Jeff Mosher here with us on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac. Uh, much like Jeff Mosher, I must take my leave. Uh, you're going to finish up. Bill Colorado is going to jump in tomorrow. They jump in for you uh, for the final hour of the show. He's going to jump in for me for the final 20 minutes of the show. So Bill Colorado and Johnny Mac coming back next here on Birds 365.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program assures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Win and save this baseball season from Colony Pools and Power Washing, a local company serving Delaware, Delco, and Chester County since 1970. Are you tired of looking at your greenhouse? Is your roof, siding, deck stained green from algae and mold? Let the experts pressure wash your home and take the pressure off of you. Win with Colony Pools and Power Washing. Call them now at 302-762-2250. That's 302-762-2250. New look to the show. Look at that. Bill Calarulo jumping in for Jody McDonald. Jody's got to do a little CBS work later this morning, but stick with us for the final uh, 20 minutes here in the, the Philly Sports Power Hour. After that with Bill, uh, good to have, this is the first time I think it's only been you and me, Bill. Good to see you, bud. Good to see you, John. Yeah, you're right. I've done it with Jody, but never just the two of us, man. Yeah, you uh, hop in for me hour two on uh, Fridays generally uh, when I got to go down and talk to Nick Sirianni. So that's where I wanted to start with you. We hadn't talked about Nick, and I think it's interesting because, you know, he's been on this unbelievable run to the fact where I'm trying to bring up up the numbers as we speak, Bill. He's 30 and 12 now as the career record with the Eagles, which is obviously the highest uh, winning percentage in franchise history. If you think about that two and five start, that means he's uh, 28 and seven uh, as, as the head coach, which is an astonishing run uh, since that poor start 24 and two in the last 26 starts with Jalen hurts on the field. It's been pretty good. I, I go back to 2021, though, Bill, and 
if you remember, I think it was the third game of the season, uh, the Eagles were playing the Cowboys. Um, and it was down in Dallas, uh, Arlington. Um, and they got blitzed. I mean, they got boat raced uh, at AT&T Stadium. They got embarrassed. And I really think it was a turning point for Nick Sirianni. If you remember, that was, was the, the week beat he wore Dallas the week, beat right? Dallas yeah. t-shirt. And he made a bigger deal out of it than it was because of the rivalry aspect. And I think he's learned a lot from that. And now it's about, you know, every week is just the same. Every opponent is the same. For the fan base, it's big. But Nick has turned it around and said, yeah, all right, they're another team. We're the better team. They're just another road bump. Um, How much do you think he's grown? Uh, you watching over the years it's really incredible john and you're right to, to pinpoint that week is a great point because he did make it a little bit more than i think it needed to be but he's definitely grown i mean just from you look at that first press conference he had and i wasn't one of these guys who made that big of a deal about a press conference coaches look if you can coach in the nfl it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good in press conferences but you've just seen him get even better at that over the last couple of years. But I agree with you, focusing on that improving every single day. And it's not just words this guy uses. It's the culture that he's built there. They really do just try to win every single day. And you've seen it. You're down there at at training camp. You're down there at practice sometimes. Look, people laughed a couple years ago at how short these guys' practices were. But you hear Sirianni talk about hey, Jody talks about it every day. I think, man. <laughs> yeah. I, at some point, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, yeah. well, when he talks about how you know they they compete even in meetings, and you know they go full speed in meetings and and walkthroughs and things like that. There's a lot to be said for that. Look, these guys, we say it all the time. The old cliche: the best ability is availability, and trying to keep these guys healthy, especially your older guys goes a long way, man, than than this old-school mentality of just beating them into the ground. That's the one concern I have if I'm a Detroit Lions fan. Because as good as the Lions are, Dan Campbell, great coach, completely different mentality than Nick Sirianni. Those guys took advantage of every single possible practice they could have in training camp. They're still wearing pads and doing things that, hey, we're the complete opposite. So we'll see. Does it work out for the Lions as good as they are? Can they stay healthy? But definitely a lot of growth from Nick Sirianni. And I made this point on my show a couple weeks ago. Now, I know he's got to do it for a lot longer. But when you look at his winning percentage, he's got a better winning percentage than Bill Belichick and Andy Reid. Now, they've been doing it a lot longer than he has. But just to put it into perspective of what this guy is doing, it's really remarkable. And and we're getting a little spoiled as Eagles fans, John. Yeah. Well, I think we're at uh, 26 consecutive regular season weeks where the Philadelphia Eagles have either had the NFL's best record or were tied for the NFL's best record. And, yeah, you're right. I think people are spoiled a little bit because – we constantly talk about style points and this isn't working. This isn't working, but this is a good example this week with the Dallas Cowboys bill, because Dallas is a really good team and everybody has these hiccups. They had a hiccup against Arizona. They got routed by San Francisco, San Francisco's lost three consecutive games. Now that they've lost Trent Williams for a bit, Debo Samuel, 
Uh, Brock Purdy looks mortal. Um, Kansas City's had issues. Buffalo's had issues. The Eagles had the one hiccup with the New York Jets, uh, and that was a bad play by Jalen Hurts. Uh, they should have won that game. They should have been eight. Should be eight zero as we talk about it here. Where are you in the style points part of the equation? Like I, I, I don't get why people are so obsessed. This team, what, what impressed me so much about this team is their ability to, to persevere. Everybody has hiccups. Everybody has bad points, but they find ways to win. Last week, they looked awful early against Washington, um, and they persevere. And Jalen Hurts is is. They've been down double digits, I think, the last five or six times he's come back to win the game. Um, that doesn't happen often. Yeah, I say that a lot about about Jalen in particular, is I love what he does after he faces adversity. You saw it in the Super Bowl. He has that bad fumble, marches the team right down the field to score a touchdown. They go down by eight in the Super Bowl, marches the f- team right down the field, scores a touchdown, and gets the two-point conversion. But when we're talking about style points, I said this yesterday on the Power Hour, that I think a lot of times we we like to have this revisionist history where we look back at the 2022 team and think they just dominated everybody every single week and never had any problems. But that wasn't really the case, John. No. If you remember oh, no. last year, what we were saying, oh, they can't score in the second half, right? So I actually went and looked at some of the scores from last season. Look, they beat Detroit by three points in week one. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars by eight in week two. They snuck by the Arizona Cardinals 20 to 17 in week five. We know they lost to the Washington Commanders in week 10. Then they almost lost to the Indianapolis Colts the week after. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, that they were Indianapolis outplayed them for the vast yeah. majority of that game. And Jalen Hurts put them on his back in the fourth quarter and, and won the won game, game for. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. There's a reason teams don't go 17 and 0. We've only seen it twice in the regular season with the Dolphins and and the Patriots, who we know how that one ended. Because teams, it's it's very difficult to win every single week. So I don't get too caught up in the style points necessarily. It's it, it is an indicator of hey areas they may need to work on or improve, such as the red zone right now. But we've seen them get a little bit better over the last two weeks. But John, what's crazy to me is. A lot of fans are up in arms about this offense, and you know it doesn't look as good as it did last season. You look at the numbers; wow, man, they're almost yeah. identical to what they were last season. Yeah, it's it's scary how close they are. But yeah, to the point of the offense as a whole, I mean, it's similar to the defense to me last year, which, um, you know, a lot of people didn't like the scheme, but uh, number two defense overall, number one passing defense. Um, this year, yeah, everybody hates the offense. They're third in total offense. They're seventh in rushing offense, seventh in passing offense, third in points per game, first and third down offense, second fourth down offense. I mean, yep. what do you want? <laughs> and, <laughs> and could you imagine, John, could you imagine if they were able to do – Last year, they were number three in the league in red zone offense. This year, they're 18th. Yeah. If they had a better red zone And offense, by the way, they're getting better. That was have. 27th, and it's gone up incrementally. And, and outside, up of those, yeah. outside of those two costly fumbles last week, which probably yeah. should have been touchdowns, they would have been even, even better than what they are now. So it is, it is improving, but you did mention they're seventh in, in rushing, and I want to get your opinion on this because I know this has been a big issue in the city over the last few weeks. 
what's going on with the running game? Because you look at the yards per carry over the last five games, and just just looking at the running backs, take Jalen Hurts out of the equation for a second. Just the running backs in the last five weeks are only averaging 3.2 yards per carry, which would really be towards the bottom of the NFL. Do you think this is all because Cam Jurgens? Because it does coincide right with when he went out. Um, I, I think that's a, 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 a little bit of a part. I mean, Cam's a good player, and Cam, I expect to be back this week, so that'll help. But I think what you just said, but in a different way, take Jalen Hurts out of the equation. Jalen Hurts has been out of the equation because of the knee injury um, from a running perspective. And last week especially, and he did a phenomenal job uh, throwing the football, obviously, but he's he's going through something and he's been limited. And the whole point of the Eagles running game, the success is the plus one of the quarterback. Well, I, I've said this since training camp and Eagles get Eagles fans mostly get mad at me. They don't have a good running back room. If you if Jalen Hurts wasn't on this team and you were just it was a run of the mill Marcus Mariota or Tanner McKee was running this team, yeah, the, the Eagles running backs are not that if, if you're gonna rate the running back rooms in this league, I would say the Eagles would be in the bottom half. I'm not gonna say bottom five, but bottom half. So somewhere between 17 and 32. Um it's not a great group. Uh, makes sense. The Eagles don't value the position. They don't pay for the position. They cobble it together. Um, if they're just, for the people that just want them to turn around and hand the football off, that's not their strength. When Jalen Hurts is that plus one, you have the RPO game. That manipulates the spacing. That affects the defense. That makes things easier for DeAndre Swift, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, and a Prashad Penny ever plays. Um, so he has been removed from the equation, and that to me has been the issue with the with the running game more than anything else. And I just think most fans overvalue what the Eagles have at running back. Would be my answer to that. Um, and you did see it last year, John. You talk about how Jalen Hurts makes the running game go when he's a threat. Look what happened when when Minshew came in. Even though he didn't play that bad in that Cowboys game, they only ran for 87 against the Cowboys. They only ran for 67 the following week against the Saints because without that threat of Minshew pulling the ball and, and taking it around the outside, the running game just wasn't as effective. But are you surprised? That was one of the things because I agree with you about the running back room not being that great is when we were looking at the trade deadline, I kept saying the one thing I would have liked to have seen Howie Roseman do was maybe bring in a nice compliment to DeAndre Swift because I just didn't think they had it on this team. And a guy they could have gotten without even having to make a trade was Leonard Fournette, but we saw Buffalo pick him up. Do you think there's a chance maybe there's a free agent out there and a veteran that they could bring in to help this room, or you think we're kind of set with what we got? I think they're set. By the way, Buffalo, real quick, they just brought in Linval Joseph today, our old friend. So Buffalo's going wow. sort of the Eagles route, uh, trying to get the mercenary market going, veteran players to make that uh, potential Super Bowl run on the AFC side. So kind of a we'll see how Linval works out for them. But uh, Great. We got to see them week 12. Yeah. Um, and Linval 
proved he still had something left in the tank and was very helpful for the Eagles as they made their uh, their run to the Super Bowl last season. So um, I thought how he might be creating sort of a market, and it seems like he has, uh, tends to be ahead of the curve with that kind of stuff. But as far as running back, I you know, the Eagles value Kenny Gainwell more than most people. Some, you know, you're starting to wonder, are they correct? Um, and Nick has defended him uh, pretty strongly, uh, even yesterday. Uh, so he's he continues to believe in Kenny Gainwell. Um, I, I just don't think they value the position. And when it comes to bringing in somebody new off the street, how much better is he going to be able to be than Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, or Penny can't even play? Um, and I think that's the way they look at it. Um, as long as DeAndre Swift keeps doing what he's doing, I think they're fine. I think if he, ten, if he starts to fall off even more, or he misses, remember DeAndre Swift's history, Bill, he's missed four games in each of his first three seasons. So if he starts missing games and Rashad Penny has nothing left, then maybe you start saying, oh, yeah, they should have done something. But I think the Eagles are pretty confident in Kenny Gainwell, and hopefully he gets better. Um, hopefully he puts down the phone. Uh, just takes his orange slice at that time. That shocked and, me, man. I, I thought that would have been – we were saying it, me and Seth Joyner. We're, we're shocked that's not a suspendable offense, man. But I guess they can do what they want at halftime. I don't know. Yeah, that's new way. I mean, so many players pick up their phones at halftime. That's sort of old school. I get Seth. Yeah. Seth's as old school as those. But, I mean, this is a generation of guys who are never – five seconds away from their phone and yeah, yeah they're the other two john to be honest with you they're they're a little bit more liberal with that kind of stuff from my perspective it's like why are you doing that kenny why are you doing that to yourself i mean you know how people are uh and and you, you fumble you're going to get some horrible things um oh I, I forget the player who who got some Oh, Alexander Madison, when he fumbled against the Eagles um, in week two, uh, the Minnesota running back, he just got some horrible stuff on social media. Um, and that's going to happen. Uh, so the only thing you can do as a player is get off it. But, yeah. you know, again, this is a generation that was weaned on it. So I don't know how you do that. Let me real quick while we're on the running back, because – I asked Derek Gunn about this. I had Dave Spadaro on my show, asked him, even though you know he's not going to give you too much at times. But why can't Rashad Penny get on this field? You know, what D. Gunn said is people he's talked to in the organization have said he's basically there as an insurance policy. Is that what yeah. you're kind of hearing too? Or do you think he's, his injuries have finally gotten to him? Well, he can't help unless he's the lead back. So essentially, he's the backup lead back if that makes sense. I got you. So if DeAndre Swift were to get hurt, I think he's your lead back. Um, he can't help you as a pass catcher consistently. So he's not a hurry-up guy. Um, you could argue he's a red zone guy, but that's getting too 
I think, too specific. In other words, to be up on, on the game day roster, you have to help somewhere else. Special yeah, he doesn't teams. do special teams either, yeah. Right? yeah. Special teams, Boston's got your kickoff returner. He can also play coverage a little bit. Um, Kenny Gainwell's your your third down back. He's your best pass protector. Rashad's not a good pass protector. None of them are, but um, Kenny's the best of the group. Um, so he can't help you in other ways as a role player. So until they need a lead back who's going to run the football 15 times, or 15, 20 times, he's not going to play uh, because he can't help you situationally. So I think that kind of explains um, uh, where we are with Rashad Penny. But they, you know, you need depth. You don't need it right now, but you might need it tomorrow. So that's where he is right now. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, hopefully – Hopefully they can get that running game going this week because I was just talking about this on, on my Instagram. You look at that Dallas defense, they're really good, but the one area that they have been a little bit weak is in the running game. And you look at their two losses, the San Francisco 49ers and surprisingly the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona really Cardinals, and remember, Arizona, John Bashota, we had uh, Bill from The Athletic on this morning, um, and he pointed out Arizona runs the same defensive scheme the Eagles do. And the Cowboys had a, a lot of problems with it. Yeah. Um, my concern with this game, and I'll ask you as we kind of wrap up and you get ready for the Philly Sports Power Hour, um, my concern remains the same, and that's uh, the nickel spot. Bradley Roby not able to uh, participate in the walkthrough yesterday. So it looks like he's going to miss another game. Um and you go back to that Rams game. This is another Rams game where you had Cooper Cup and they didn't know what the hell to do. Now you have C.D. Lamb. It could be ugly at times. Can they persevere? Or is it just going to be a jumbled mess inside again? You know, it's really anybody's guess, John, because they let Sam Howell throw for almost 400, and the week before they shut down Tua in the most high-powered passing offense in the league. So, you know, what I'm more concerned about than that passing defense, which is a concern, is they have to protect the ball this week. You you look at Dallas; they've been so opportunistic on defense, causing yeah. turnovers and scoring points on defense. With their Deron Bland's got three pick sixes this year, which yeah. is just which Amazing. is crazy. So, you know, I, I think is if they can protect the football on offense, yeah, I think Dallas will put up some points. I think C.D. Lamb will get his catches. But I just think if they can protect the football, not turn it over, and establish a little bit of a running game, that's going to be the formula to try to beat this Cowboys team. Yeah, when you lose a player like Trayvon Diggs, as the Cowboys did, a big-time playmaker, like the Eagles did with C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you generally don't have somebody that's going to step into that playmaking role. And as you mentioned, uh, Teron Bland with the six, uh, three uh, pick sixes, that's been a, a, a tremendous, uh, and it really defensively. I like what Michael Urban said this week. He said, this is a game about 11s. Either Micah Parsons gets home and Lane Johnson's done a tremendous job over the years limiting Micah Parsons or A.J. Brown's going to hurt the Cowboys. I like that thought process. 
Uh, I think that's probably the way it shakes out. Probably boiling it down a little bit too much. Yeah. There's going to be other things, but I like that thought process. All right, Bill, thanks for hopping in. Everybody Absolutely. make sure to uh, stay tuned for Bill uh, and the Philly Sports Power Hour. Keep it there. You got Sports Take National Football Show all day here on Jacob Sports. Uh, tomorrow on Burst 365, we already got locked in. Our buddy Paul Domowicz. Uh, his stat package will be up on Jacob Sports later today. You can check that out in advance. Uh, Damo's appearance tomorrow. We're also going to have the best uh, columnist in town, Mike Sealski. So big show for you tomorrow. Thanks again, Bill, for stepping in. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.